0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today is Zach Schiffman, a 25-year-old stand-up comedian from New York who's worked for Sam B. and who performs stand-up all over the city um and he happens to be the youngest guest so far to appear on lunch therapy so i get to ask him all about the foods of his gen z peers what they eat how they cook where they learned about cooking it was all very fascinating to this 42 year old lunch therapist um and so in today's session i talked to zach about his fear of knives
1: um I'm like, I used to be really scared of knives and somehow I feel a lot more comfortable on a mandolin, which I think is not, maybe more dangerous than a knife. What it's like having roommates. My old roommate who I hope does not listen to this used to open my food, which that was like the line where I'm like, you can't cross that. Like I even think finishing food is like, just tell me and I'll buy something else or buy it for me if you finished it. But she used to like open Unopened food and his love of ice cream I've always want I've, o- oh, I've always wanted to open a jewish ice cream shop Like I've always wanted to do like babka flavored ice cream or like black and white cookie ice cream sandwiches Or like Horoset sorbet or whatever and before we
0: get to today's episode I just want to remind you in case you don't know I write a newsletter twice a week It's under Substack. So if you go into Substack, just search for the amateur gourmet newsletter and you'll get to see everything I've been cooking lately and where I've been eating and it's always a lot of fun all right, well, here is my Lunch Therapy session with Zach Schiffman. Well, hey, Zach, welcome to Lunch Therapy. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I am um, a fan of yours. I follow you. I think you're funny. I think you're very young.
1: I feel like you're like half my age. I'm, I'm, I'm only 12, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 25, but I am young.
0: 25. So you're like a voice of another generation. Like you're like, Are you a millennial? Is that what that is?
1: I guess I'm like the oldest I'm the oldest Gen Z or the youngest millennial I think is where it fits.
0: Okay. So yeah. So what do you think are the main differences between um I guess I'm Gen X and you're either Gen Z or millennial but like how do you think your generation thinks about food differently than my generation?
1: I I think I feel like a little sandwich between. I feel like the like a younger generation I don't know. I feel like They all get so much of their food from the internet in the way that I do, too. And I feel like I was like in a very millennial way, like I only care about food because of tasty videos. Like that's what (laughs) made me feel like when I was like in high school and college. Um and so what's, a, what's I, a tasty
0: video? I'm like, this is a good example. This tasty video, like the one where like you just see things getting piled on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, the
1: Buzzfeed the BuzzFeed ones where it was like, you know, like the classic like shooting from above, but like they also all were like vile. They all were like, this yeah. is like hamburger guacamole dip or something like that. Um but yeah, I remember like I feel like Gen Z very much like thing trends pop like I remember like last year, like the whole like Fra- like basically, what is like a frap coffee? Like the whole, like, yes, what was coffee that thing? I don't even know what that I, is. They're all things that like already exist or like the TikTok pasta. Like, I feel like
0: yes, it like Gen
1: Z is very much like hops on trends of food in a way that like I think millennials don't as much.
0: Now, is Gen Z this is really a stupid question. I should know the answer, but is Gen Z younger or
1: older than millennials? Younger, yeah, younger. So, I think I think that like 1996, 1997 is the cutoff. Got it yeah okay
0: okay well, that was actually very insightful I, I, that was a hard question to lead with, and you had some quick answers so you're gonna be a great guest but maybe okay cool tell, yeah, but I was looking at your Twitter I was looking at stuff so tell us a little bit about like I know you do comedy I know that you um, have written for things, but maybe tell us a little bit about yourself uh, just for people who don't aren't familiar with your work
1: yeah um i I always like say I don't identify as a comedian which is not true I, I guess yeah. I am. But um, I work uh, in digital for late night. I worked at Full Frontal with Samantha B and now I'm at Tuning Out the News. Um, and then I also do comedy myself, and I'm a writer myself. So I, like, just do stand-up and, uh, like, comedic plays and stuff where I can in Brooklyn, rarely in Manhattan. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in and then I, um, A lot of stuff at, like, the Brooklyn Comedy Collective, um, which is, like, a the spiritual successor of the annoyance um a lot of just i used to do a show at a cbd pop you know you know the cbd brand recess no like the (laughs) it's like this like weird like cbd seltzer Uh recess and i used to do a show at their pop-up space and that was really weird and now i'm doing a show at an ice cream shop so just truly i like to go to do shows at like fun places yeah
0: I used to live in Park Slope and there was like an alt comedy club in Park Slope. that I don't even know if it's there anymore, but that was where everyone used to be. This was in the early 2000s. So you were probably- I'm in Park Slope now. Yeah. I live- Is it Union Hall? Yeah. Okay. That's still there. Union Hall
1: is- I go to Union Hall all the time.
0: So you live in Park Slope?
1: Yes, I'm in Park Slope. I'm like five blocks
0: from Union Hall. Okay, so maybe you live, I don't want you to give out your address in case there are crazy (laughs) stalkers listening, but I used to live right near the um, Israeli restaurant Miriam. I don't know if that's. I live
1: around the corner from Miriam.
0: Oh, they just gave it away. Don't, if you're listening to this, don't stalk and murder. I actually don't live
1: near Miriam. I actually live in (laughs) Manhattan. Miriam actually just opened a new restaurant that uh, they opened like a fast casual version of Miriam next door.
0: Yeah. I lived... Oh, it's next door. Wait, this is really interesting to me. Like, immediately next door? Like, right next door?
1: Immediately next door, yeah. They opened a fast casual restaurant. Like, Connected, I think, shares a kitchen.
0: Okay, well, that's so interesting to me because I lived in the apartment above that space, and there was always this empty corridor. And so in the winters like cold air would blow through that empty restaurant space. Cause nobody ever built a restaurant and our apartment would like become freezing and our like spaceboard heating would freeze up and not work and we, ha- we would huddle around space heaters. It was very, the musical rent.
1: Oh my God, Does it, did it used to have, did it have like that mural on it? You know, yep. that red mural. There was like a red yeah. mural before they built this restaurant. And I like, I think it was painted by the Miriam people but now they blew out the walls. They built it like overnight. It opened in like two weeks. So are you from New York? No, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago.
0: Okay, so what brought you to NYC?
1: Um, mostly work. My sister lived here, but yeah, I was like I had worked in New York for a summer, I'd worked in LA for a summer when I was in college, and then I had gotten a job at Sam B. And so I was like, Yeah, this makes sense and I'm gonna move here. And like I went to college on the East Coast, so like all my friends came here and I was like and now it's this weird thing where it's like, Oh, I actually don't want to live anywhere else, but I wasn't like that fervent about it when I moved here.
0: That's funny, so did you grow up in Chicago with like love for Chicago foods and now you're in New York and like loving the New York food? Like like what what's the main difference, would you say, between like the food in Chicago and the food in New York?
1: Well, I grew up my mom, uh, like, in Chicago, there's, like, this big restaurant company, Let Us Entertain You, and it's, like, it rules the city, and my mom was, like, very big on the points at Let Us Entertain You, and so <laughs> I only ever went to Let Us Entertain You restaurants, and, like, we would, like, save up at the end of the year and go to one of the really expensive ones because, like, we had, like, built up points over the years, and so I feel like New York is not like that where, like, there's these, like, restaurant holding comp these, like, big restaurant holding companies that you know, but in Chicago, like, Let Us Entertain You ruled all, and you knew that, like, there was some level of quality to them, and so, like, I like there are so I most restaurants I know in Chicago are lettuce and like I've Like what? Others. Like what's an
0: example of a lettuce entertain you restaurant?
1: Um Food Life, I think I actually just closed, but Food Life was like the pinnacle because it was like the food court version of all their restaurants. Um but Hub 51 is a really good one. Um there's Joe Stone Crab is less entertaining oh, you, which they also okay. have other places. Yeah, that's um, well, from Florida where I'm from. Oh really? Yeah, that that's yeah. Lettuce Entertain You. <clears throat> So was it like almost
0: like a strict rule that like your mom would only eat at these restaurants or would she get mad if you wanted to go somewhere else?
1: I think that <clears throat> I think that it was definitely always like very much encouraged that we go to a lettuce restaurant like there were places in the suburbs maybe we would go but like if we were eating dinner in the city because I lived like maybe 25 minutes outside of the city like uh-huh. it, we, we were eating at a lettuce restaurant like there was no other option.
0: It's okay. When you got to New York, you're like, oh my God, there's like all these restaurants that aren't let us entertain you restaurants and the, the like, of- honestly, it's like, it's
1: a vast <laughs> landscape. Like I don't know how to categorize the restaurants here.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fine. I mean, Brooklyn, it was funny. I was just in New York um, and we were staying in Williamsburg and it just felt to me like, and this was always the case that Brooklyn was cooler than Manhattan, but now it just felt like Manhattan felt dead to me in a way that where it just felt like literally everything was in Brooklyn and, just at night, everything like driving through Manhattan was like empty. Maybe I'm over exaggerating, but like, <laughs> but it, it didn't feel like it had that youth, youthful vitality that you just see everywhere in Brooklyn. So it feels like everything is completely shifted. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, my friend, my friends and I will always be like, Where should we go to dinner? And they'll be like, We should go to Manhattan. And then we'll like look at each other and be like, I don't know any restaurants in Manhattan. <laughs> like, Like, we know some, but like, it's like not like, I don't know any new restaurants. Like, I don't. I don't have, like, ideas of places to go in Manhattan, really. That's really funny.
0: Well, maybe we should just dive in and get into your therapy yeah. session. So tell me, what did you have for lunch today?
1: Um, I had, I, I had a, like, a very good Brooklyn restaurant. I had Court Street Grocers, which is a really good sandwich place in Carroll. They have one in Williamsburg, too, but a really good sandwich place in Carroll Gardens. I just got back from, I was home for Yom Kippur, and I just got back last night. And so I don't have any groceries, so I just got Court Street, which is, like, always my default, I feel like.
0: And what kind of sandwich did you get
1: i got the ali flour um which is like the it's like the hot honey the bro- i actually have like some of it still sitting i didn't finish it um but it's like a hot honey cauliflower broccoli rabe on the crispy bread it's very good um i think it normally like the, the regular ali is like turkey but i like i'm not a vegetarian but i prefer the cauliflower
0: oh wow wait so it's broccoli rabe and what was the other thing on it and cauliflower Okay, that's a very cruciferous um, lunch. That's a category of vegetable that, you know, it it could be a little intense for the middle of the day, but I admire that. (laughs) Um, Well, it's funny, one of our guests, Mayuk Sen, um, tried to go to Court Street Grocers for his lunch, but the line was too long, so he ended up going home and just heating up some leftovers. So for you, did you have to wait in a long line to get your sandwich?
1: No, I did get it delivered uh, because I was working, but I but the but you have to like schedule it you have to be smart about it so I knew I wanted it and I like scheduled it for delivery because like it can get especially during the pandemic when it was like it was like the headset of the system where like you'd put they'd like post it your name on the window and everything like it was the biggest crowd I think I was in for the first time during the pandemic when I went once to pick it up because like there were like 40 people waiting outside and it was like the biggest group of people I'd seen this must have been like April or May 2020.
0: Well, the first thing I want to ask you about, which is pretty relevant, and it's uh, something I'd like to talk about because I'm Jewish too, is the Yom Kippur part of it. So did you fast?
1: I did fast, yes.
0: And did you grow up in a very religious family?
1: Um, I grew up, my mom is pretty religious, and yeah, I, my, we belong to like a pretty conservative temple. So I grew up, I would say, like very, very religious, but not very observant. Oh, can you explain more about that? like we didn't go to temple all the time but we like followed all the rules but i feel like there are people who are like like my cousins and such are like go to temple a lot more than we do but like never kept kosher and like aren't and belong to more like reform temples did you keep kosher i kept we like kept kosher up until each bar mitzvah so when my so we were like full <laughs> kosher when until my sisters got bat mitzvah and then we started being kosher outside the house after that and then after my bar mitzvah we, start, we had a fridge in the garage where we'd have non-kosher food, but we still don't eat. Like, we won't put it in the fridge in the house and stuff like that.
0: And are you the same way in your own independent life?
1: Yeah, I, ne- I never started eating pork. I eat shellfish, but I, like, just always held on to that. Um, and we always ate milk and meat. That was a rule my mom was like, I like cheeseburgers too much. Um, <laughs> but we, yeah, I always ate milk and meat, and I still don't eat pork, but I do eat shellfish.
0: It's funny because my dad grandparents I think were kosher and so like but he I think, the classic Jewish thing is you could have like wonton soup and things like that like a Chinese restaurant you can break all the kosher rules but I remember like he wouldn't eat; he didn't like cheese my dad like he just was not a cheese guy like if there was like like I remember we went to Balthazar once and they had this French onion soup that was burbling with like gruyere and he just hated the smell but I think it's because he didn't grow up with any of that really in the house but like the main thing that I think of like about being kosher is like a ham Like the idea of like a, making a big glazed ham That Like I've been cooking for 15 years And I've never made a glazed ham Because yeah. that feels like the ultimate antithesis Of Jewish food to me
1: To me like, ba- like a bacon Like I've never had bacon Like Really? You've never had like, bacon? That's delicious I grew up with my we, Well my mom would call it kosher bake Like there was like a butcher that made like beef bacon or whatever And like it has such a distinct taste And such a distinct smell It like really is not like what real bacon is like Because it's very dry um, but yeah, I like, I've accidentally eaten it in a salad or something like that, but like, I've never had bacon. And to me, it's like whenever I consider something when like I look at a menu and I see bacon on it, I'm like, I'm Jewish. I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs>
0: Interesting. So do
1: you feel, feel like you'll carry your parents' traditions or your religious
0: traditions from your childhood into more of your adulthood? Like, do you think you'll continue um, being observant and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: I th- it's it's funny because like I hated it when I was a kid and I like hated being kosher and I hated going to Hebrew school. And now I'm like, my kids will go to Hebrew school three times a week. They will not eat <laughs> shellfish. Like, I, I think I'm like, they have to go through what I went through.
0: That's so funny. I just had dinner last night with my friend Rachel and she was saying the opposite because she has a son and she was just sort of saying that she doesn't want to torture him with Hebrew school <laughs> the way that she was. And I kind of feel the same way. I hated Hebrew school so much, but... But I'm curious, that's actually why I find it really fascinating that you're so in touch with your Judaism. Um, And is it just like, do you feel like for you, it's just a comfort thing? Like, it just reminds you of your family and reminds you of your childhood? Or is there, is it a spiritual thing? Is it a structural thing?
1: I feel like it's very much an identity thing. Like, I do think it's like, like, I've thought, like, this is like, I thought before that, like, when I like, you know, that thing when you like walk through a door Maybe this is an acting exercise, from, but like <laughs> there's like an acting exercise where you're like you like when you walk through a door, the first thing that goes through is like the first thing you have. So whether it's like your hips or your nose or whatever. And I remember thinking I was like the first thing that goes through a door for me is that I'm Jewish. Like that's the first mm-hmm. part of my identity. And so I always feel like I like that is the main qualifier of my entire life, even though obviously so many other things build it up. But I'm like, I want my kids to have that same feeling, if that makes sense yeah no that's very interesting i mean for me being gay sort
0: of dwarfed, for lack of a better verb my being jewish eventually um but i think i could but before i came out and like during my teenage years for sure like being jewish was my main identity so it's, it's it is interesting how like you know the thing that you cling on to can become the thing that you are identify yourself most as if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I I've, I've
1: thought before I've been like I think I'm more Jewish than I am gay, but maybe as I get older that will change, but I've always been like I'm Jewish before I'm gay.
0: Well, it's funny cuz I I feel like it's probably a generational thing too because when I came out in 2001, so like 20 years ago. Wow, 20 years ago. Um, you know, like my Jewish family Thank you. My family um <laughs> just they they weren't ready to digest that like it was kind of shocking to them and i feel like the jewish community where i came from was pretty conservative in the sense like politically conservative so i think i had a, a need to sort of cut myself away from my religion a little bit to sort of be able to live my gay life and i feel like your generation is coming up in a period now where it's like more part of the culture there's gay marriage there's There was Will and Grace There was Queer Eye I mean there's just like So many things on TV And just in the culture in general So maybe that makes it easier To hold on to your Jewish roots um, Because you didn't have to Separate yourself from it as much
1: Yeah I think And I think that like There's just so much like Explicitly like Jewish gay culture now Like I think I mean maybe Transparent Was a big thing But I feel like there's so many things That are like They feel like the two are linked In a way where they're not You know like there's so much um, There's even a really hot jewish rabbi in park slope um really so yeah <laughs> but yeah is he on instagram he is yes should we, should we give him a plug or is that is that um... i don't know. i think it, i mean he is like a public figure his instagram handle is funny he is just very hot his, his instagram handle is official debbie friedman like the famous Cantor.
0: okay official yeah. debbie friedman okay got So it. i'm gonna plug
1: this hot rabbi who i've
0: never met Oh, please. No, I mean, the people who are listening to this are never going like, to tell this rabbi <laughs> that you did this. I've considered, well, okay. if I've, if I've considered joining
1: that temple because it's like close to me. Interesting. So, okay. So, in terms of your food life, so do you cook a lot? I do. Yeah. I don't. I only like have started cooking more in the past few years, but I do like to cook a lot. Um, I really like to cook without turning on any heat. So, like, I really like to, like, Make a lot of different salads and things like that that don't require heat. Maybe that's just the summer in New York, but I also feel like I yeah. find myself looking like doing as much as I can without having to like make my apartment hotter. So, what are some of your go-to recipes? Um, I like I make a lot of different kinds of Greek salad. There's one that I, I stole the recipe from a restaurant that I like, where it's like a chickpea Greek salad with shaved broccoli. Um, that's really you good. You love your
0: cruciferous vegetables, broccoli. I do. I really cauliflower, yeah. broccoli. wrap okay, yeah. So that you shave it. That's it's like yes. like on a mandolin slicer.
1: Yeah, it's like a it's a chickpea tahini chickpea tahini oh. ma- like broccoli. It's very good. Um, I'm like I used to be really scared of knives, and somehow the ma- I feel yeah. a lot more comfortable on a mandolin, which I think is not maybe more dangerous than a knife.
0: It is. I I have a crappy mandolin, and so I think if I got a nicer mandolin, it would be safer. But my crappy one is like plastic, and I feel like I'm always going to slice my finger off when I yeah. use it. But I've actually gotten really into it. Actually, when I make coleslaw now, because I actually that's one of the few things where I totally noticed the difference between like shaving cabbage on a mandolin versus slicing it because it's so thin, it makes the coleslaw lighter.
1: I love coleslaw. Yeah, I, I love like the well. And I sometimes like I like to buy the pre-bought like shave stuff, but like yeah. the mandolin is just like. It makes everything and it makes everything like consistent whereas like i'm so bad with knives because i'm so scared of them i even own yeah. like those knife gloves like those like metal knife gloves oh right? my God. i'm less scared now but i used to be so scared that like i think as i got over my fear of knives i started cooking more it's so funny because um i'm working on a
0: secret project right now um related to this podcast and one of the categories in the project is about fear like the fear that we have about cooking and one of the things is about knives and um and it's funny because it's ironic in the sense that like the sharper your knife, the safer you are. Maybe it's not ironic, but that's Alanis Morissette's sense of ironic. Uh but like <laughs> I think like a dull knife is dangerous. So a super sharp knife is safe, but I feel like my friends who are scared of knives are scared of a super sharp knife. I mean yeah. you, are your knives very
1: sharp? Um, they are. I have fun. I have like these I, but I broke them because I try. I, I like bought a sharpener because I was like, I, "This is safer." Yes. And then I sharpened ceramic knives, and that broke them. Oh no! Know, no, no don't do that. that. No, no. I don't know. Do that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> get a get, get a off. Get a get a like a stainless steel. What's it called? Like a carbon steel knife. Um, but I've learned. I mean, like, if you curl your fingers, you know that whole thing of like curling your fingers and making a guard with your left hand, and then like slicing yeah. down like a chef then you're safe. You're fine.
1: You it's need just like, an intervention. I, yeah, I like. I really like. And when people like hold knives precarious, like I'm so like. I really like. It's probably one of my biggest fears is knives. I like have never cut myself other than I cut my thumb on a bowl of sp- on like the top lid of a can when I was a kid, yeah. but other than that, like I don't have a reason to be so scared. But like, I just I've got and I've gotten way over. Especially during the pandemic, I got way over my fear. Mm-hmm. But I like what when I would like cook something, I would ask friends to cut for me. Like I like. I've got, I like really have made huge strides, but I like was really scared of knives. Um, My roommate has a really good knife that I use a lot more and that one I feel better on, but the ceramic knives were like too sharp almost. Like they could like, you could go near a piece of paper and they will cut in half.
0: That's good. That's what you want. You want your knife to slice through a piece of paper. Well, you know, it's funny. um, I feel like you almost have to cut yourself to realize that it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. really yeah it's like it's like burning yourself it's like when you see chefs on TV like Nigella Lawson's always like I have asbestos hands and you'll see her like flipping something with her hands in a skillet it's like I think the more that I've cooked over time the more I realized these things that terrified me at the beginning like searing something or like frying something or slicing something it's like you almost have to like burn yourself a little bit and slice yourself a little bit to like okay like I mean generally speaking I'm not suggesting you cut your finger off but like I've had had to get stitches no, but I—the worst thing I ever did—I think the hardest thing to cut is a butternut squash or a squash in general, mm-hmm. with a hard shell or a hard skin. And I've—I've I've like pushed a knife down and slipped, and like it went like into my nail. Uh, fingernail and so it just really hurt and it bled And it was scary and upset but I was like Okay like that happened and then I don't Now I'm just like much more cautious when I cut a butternut Squash but I, th- I feel like it's never as bad As you think it's gonna be you look for people who can't see Zach right now he has his hand <laughs> over his face I can't hide it Yeah
1: I get So secondhand scared too when I hear about that kind of thing But that's, that's
0: funny Well I wonder if that fear is like What else are you afraid of
1: N- Knives are a really big one Yeah I get really I don't know. I get really scared of knives um, in general things I'm scared of.
0: Yeah, because I wonder if this relates to something deep in your childhood that we can unpack and then help you through your knife journey. I
1: don't know. I, I if I if I had to like cycle analyze it, my dad buys a lot of knives off Amazon now. So maybe but that's like later <laughs> in life. My dad's like obsessed with buying knives on Amazon. Um, OK, this but... is
0: great. it's an Oedipal struggle. That's what it sounds yes. like. Yes. Their dad. What do you mean he buys knives on Amazon?
1: I mean, it really – like, the, the, like, that man – and Wish.com. Have you heard of Wish.com?
0: No, what's that? Don't tell like, me because I'll I'll go on there right away and spend a lot of It's, money. like,
1: all buying gimmicks. Like, my dad bought up, like, a, a stack of, like, fake $100 bills with Obama's face on them. Like, makes no sense. Um, but, like, <laughs> well, he yeah. buys a lot of knives on there, too. He, like, loves, like, switchblades and things like that. Um, and he's been buying a lot. Like, he whenever I – like, literally, I was home yesterday – And I was, like, packing my backpack to, like, go to the airport. And he was like, do you want to take one of these with you? And it was just, like, a knife that shot up. And I was like, no, I don't want that. And I will never want that. In an airport, you get stopped by
0: the police. He was, like, punking you. Oh, he brings multiple knives on planes. But you can't do that.
1: I don't know how he gets away with it. I really don't know how.
0: That's so weird. Um, Well, I hope that... Federal investigators aren't listening right now. Or- I know. Yeah. I know. Um, wow. Okay. So your dad collects knives. You're afraid of knives. I feel like there's something there. We'll get, we'll come back
1: to that yeah, later. Um, but
0: in, in terms of your cooking, like where did you learn how to cook?
1: I think I learned how to cook with my mom and my stepmom. My stepmom is a really, really good cook. Um, and very much. And also it's like my roommate is, is a good cook. And I admire the way she cooks where she like doesn't plan. Like I get very anxious when I cook and I'm like I have to do this right and I like have Mm -hmm. to follow this very closely and my roommate is very much like uh just throw anything in and my stepmom was very much like that too where Mm -hmm. my stepmom just like throws anything in and it's good um and my stepmom also like gets really hooked on something so like the past couple months especially like she has been like like making chili and like now she has chili on the stove every single day like has this same eats the same thing every day and growing up like she would like go through a recipe for like three or four months and she just makes the same thing every day um my mom really likes to cook and my mom really likes to make a lot of like Jewy food and then a lot of like things she sees on good morning america so it's like one of her like classics (laughs) is like barbecue potato chip chicken like that kind of thing and so what's that
0: that sounds good
1: it's like where you just like instead of like breading something with like breadcrumbs you crumple up barbecue potato chips and then use that to make chicken um you fry fry it or bake it you bake it
0: So what are some of the Jewy things that she makes?
1: She makes it brisket. Um, She'll make like a lot of like a lot of like this. Like she makes like this chicken with Kishki stuffed inside a lot.
0: What's Kishki?
1: Kishki is like a potato. It's like a it's like a Eastern European like potatoey thing. It's kind of like I don't know exactly what it is, but it is. I think it is like potatoey.
0: Wait, isn't that like from like a Eugene Levy comedy thing from like a Christopher Guest movie where he's like Bubby made a Kishka? Yeah, that's like from Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like best in shower or something. Okay, anyway, sidebar. Um so do you make Jewy food?
1: I want to more, but I don't. I like have like made I've made chewy, more chewy des- I've made some Jewy desserts, but I haven't really made I want to cook more Jewy food, but I also don't yeah, I don't know, I haven't made that much. I've made Wait, have you, soup. Do you.
0: Do you follow Jake Cohn? The author yes, of he's Jewish? really good. Yeah, he just—he was on my podcast recently, and he—I listened
1: to the episode. He's really good. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, but he—he's all about that. You should go to one of his seders, or not seder, sorry, <laughs> Shabbat dinners. He, he hosts yeah. these big Shabbat dinners. But wait, keep going. You were—you're were about to say something.
1: Um, I made black and white cookies, and they ended up tasting like soap. I must have used something that had <laughs> soap on there, and that was good bad. <laughs> I made babka bread pudding, and that was good, but that also wasn't that involved. Um, I'm not like a really good cook. I just like to, like, I just like enjoy. So is your roommate a friend that you had before, or did you meet her just because she was your roommate? She's a friend she's a friend that I had before, and we um do a bit of comedy together and we met in college. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, the reason I'm asking is because with the pandemic, like were you holed up with your roommate like for most of the time and cooking for each other, or how did that work for you?
1: I was in a different apartment for the first half of the pandemic. I was in the I was for like the deep, deep pandemic, like you know, when it was like really scary. Like, I was in an old an apartment with two other roommates until September of 2020, and those two roommates did not cook at all. So those two roommates actually, like, would, like, really enjoy when I would cook for them, and that was when I went through, like, a really deep Alison Roman phase after uh. she was canceled. I, like, <laughs> fa- I like was, like, I, like, really was not that into it, and then I found out she was canceled, and I was, like, I'm going to secretly make all her recipes now. <laughs> and so I made them a lot of Alison Roman recipes when i lived with them but they didn't cook really at all and then i moved in with my current roommate and we were together like throughout the deep winter and we'd make like a lot of soups and things like that together and she really like just like throws things at she's like sitting right here she's probably like not paying attention at all but she uh <laughs> she's missing I some do, good content this is a great yeah idea. high praise
0: yeah um well so when you have a roommate this is like reminding me of like back in my 20s when i had a roommate but i remember like there's always like that thing of like the dishes and the food shopping and did you drink my milk or did you use my eggs? Like, so how does that work for you guys?
1: We're pretty good about it. My old roommate, who I hope does not listen to this, used to open my food, which that was like the line where I'm like, you can't cross that. Like, I even think finishing food is like, just tell me and I'll buy something else or buy it for me if you finished it. But she used to like open unopened food. And I'd be like, you can't start something I haven't started.
0: Oh, like um, even, even milk, like, in, like yeah, eggs.
1: crackers, anything like cheese. Like, I would buy uh, something and not get to it yet. And then she'd open it. And I'd be like, that is not fair. Um, wow, my roommate and I are pretty good. We have a portable. We I like refuse this apartment. I've had apartment dishwashers in my first in my first two apartments in New York, and this one didn't. So we have a portable dishwasher that I bought on Facebook Marketplace that I like wheeled over here from a few blocks away. And so <laughs> does it we work do pretty dish- well? It works amazingly. It's like the greatest invention in the world, and everyone should have one.
0: It's funny because my Park Slope days, we didn't have a dishwasher. So I just trained myself to just like scrub dishes clean till they shined. And now we have a dishwasher. And Craig, my partner, like thinks I'm insane because like I will wash the dishes with a sponge and like really clean them and then put them in the dishwasher for like a second polish. But they don't really need to go in there. So you're lucky to have one.
1: Um, I still scrub them before because I'm like, this thing is not that powerful. But like at least I like know in my mind that they're clean.
0: So when you so you live in Park so are you are you more often like home cooking on a typical night or during the day? Or do you mostly eat out at restaurants? Uh,
1: I work from home, so I feel like I'm more often sorry, my phone rang. Um, I'm more <laughs> often um, cooking at home, but I'll like make like a big batch. Like I'll usually like I'll make like a big batch of tuna salad or a big batch of like chicken salad or something like that and mm-hmm. like nurse that over like four days um, so that I feel like that's what I'm eating a lot. And then I usually try to only eat out on the weekends just to, like, event not not only save money, but also to eventize it a little. uh, Because I really like to, like, look forward to it. Um, But I'll, like, pick things up around here. Miriam's new uh, fast casual thing is nice.
0: Um, I'm so happy they're still open. I remember they had this uh, brunch special. It was, like, crispy dough. It was, like, this big fried piece of, like, just savory dough that had, like, eggs on it and shug is that right like the like, sort of, like, i haven't had that that sounds really good oh it was really good um so what are some of your favorite new york slash brooklyn restaurants
1: um i really love court street grocers and i really love their sit-down restaurant that they open in boreham hill high high room um okay. it's actually awkward my upstairs neighbor works for them but didn't when we first met so i like told him how much i loved court street grocers and then he and i like have a shirt and like then he started working there and now it's like I don't, I don't want to wear my shirt around to him he like parks their van outside our building like i'm so embarrassed to be such a fanboy of them because he works for them <laughs> um but i really love them um i really love now i'm like blanking on places that i like um there's a i really love a greek place called Avli that's really good in uh carroll gardens um I really I, my favorite bagel is court Street bagels I used to live in Cobble Hill so I like love a lot of restaurants over there um what's your bagel yeah. order like what do, what do you get when
0: you get a bagel I
1: have, I have three different bagel orders I feel like no one should actually only have one like I have, oh, really I don't I only have get like, one wow okay. really no, <gasps> Oh, no, no. what just, is yours
0: I mean mines an everything bagel like I mean I, I, I shake it I shake it up a little bit to like either like smoked salmon or whitefish salad okay. with cream cheese and then the works.
1: I feel yeah. I feel like I, it depends on the time of day for me too. Like if it's earlier, I'll do salmon and like and like lettuce tomato. Not lettuce, uh, tomato, onion, caper, cream cheese, whatever. Yeah, that's correct. And then if it's later in the day, I'll do tuna salad with cucumber and tomato.
0: I've never had tuna salad on a on a bagel before. That's really interesting.
1: Oh my gosh, with pumpernickel, that is the best pumpernickel you know it's
0: so funny calvin trillin who's the food writer wrote an essay in one of his books that made me want to be a food writer he wrote a book called feeding a yen and the first chapter was about how his daughters moved away but they promised they would move back to new york if he could find a good pumpernickel bagel because they used to eat pumpernickel bagels growing up and they, they couldn't find one so that you just made me think of that sorry that was a oh side my gosh market.
1: there's really good ones all over what's yeah, that called so,
0: feeding a yen by calvin feeding trillin yeah um and what was the third bagel order that you like
1: I, this is the one where I'm like, if I'm really hungover or like I'm absolutely starved, I'll do like, I'll do fried egg, avocado, cheddar, tomato, onion on an egg, everything. But that's like a monster bagel or, and without, oh, just say avocado too. Yeah. I I admire
0: your adventurousness with bagels. I think that like, in terms of my religiousness and conservative judaism it's only as it applies to bagels that's like the most shocking thing i ever saw in my life was my grandfather once i think we were like sitting shiva for something or it was like a holiday i remember he had like two halves of a bagel and he put like smoked salmon cream cheese on one half and then he put whitefish salad on the other half and then closed it up and ate it together and i was like oh my god that is crazy
1: that, yeah, that's really good. Gr- well, that's like, um, <laughs> Cynthia Nixon's like cinnamon raisin lox bagel, like people. Just, oh, really? Disgusting.
0: No, but I liked it. I was like, wow, he's really going for it. Yes, <laughs> cin- cinnamon on a bagel. That's a whole other thing. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you about being a comedian at such a young age, like going into comedy in your early 20s. Like, did your I mean, with Jewish parents, like mine were like, classically or cliche parents who wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer, so much so that I ended up going to law school, which was a mistake. But Did your parents support this idea of you doing comedy? And how did you follow this path?
1: I think growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, like it felt, it was like, and being like a little gay kid, like instead of doing sports camp, I would do some theater, I did a lot of theater growing up, but I also would do like, I did like second city camp and I did like improv camp growing up as a kid. And so I think that it felt like this like inevitability almost that like I did it as such from such a young age that I was like, yeah, of course I wanna keep doing this. and it, it was funny, it wasn't even like until I m- was like later in college or even moved to New York that I realized I was like, oh yeah, I'm pursuing comedy. Like I knew I wanted to work in comedy TV, but it never really clicked for me almost that I was like pursuing it, pursuing it because I was like, I just have always done this. And I went to college and I like studied writing and I like wrote in college and I was like, yeah, like this is this and whatever. And like, I think it like didn't all congeal until I got here. I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I'm here doing this. Um... My dad is. Both my parents are very funny, but my dad's always been like, oh, "I should be a stand-up comedian." And I <laughs> he should. Um, and I think doing a lot of theater like led me to that. But my sister's an actor, and my other sister is a teacher, and my other sister like works with uh, elderly people. So like, I feel like we not, like none of the like the traditional doctor lawyer was shoved on us. My mom is a lawyer, okay. and she always says she wishes she was a news anchor. And so I feel like she never wanted to push being a lawyer on us.
0: That's really interesting. So you have three sisters, four. Oh, I have a younger sister who's a babysitter. Four sisters, and you're the only boy. Yes. Wow. I mean, of course you're gay with four sisters. Yeah. It's like, how could you not be? Were were you very close to your sisters?
1: Yeah, very close. They were, we're all we're all within four years of each other, so relatively close in age. Two are stepsisters, but I've had them since I was like two years old. um And so we were very, very close. Like there's stories of like us, like at family gatherings where there's other kids and like standing with our arms crossed and like not wanting to interact with any other kids Um, (laughs) but yeah we and like my my other sister my oldest sister does is an actor and so we did a lot of theater together growing up and so like I feel like that was always a big part of everything.
0: So tell me about. I'm so curious because, like, you know, I've done comedy writing and I like humor and all that stuff. I mean, I think this podcast is funny. I can't tell, but uh, what's it like to go up on a stage and say, "Okay, I'm going to be a stand-up comic. Like, I am going to now do stand-up comedy." Like, were you terrified when you first started doing that, or was it natural? And how much did you prepare? And how much did you improvise? What's it like you do it?
1: The first, well, my first experience doing it in New York, I had done it a bit in, like, a little bit in high school and college, but never that, like... Where'd you go to college? I went to BU, Boston University.
0: Okay, so so, so that's a big stand-up comedy town, Boston. I feel like a lot of comedians come from there. And I
1: I didn't do it, like, I had other friends who were, like, very into, like, the stand-up scene in Boston when we were in college. I didn't really engage in that. But the first time I did it in New York... Because I like came to New York thinking that I like really wanted to do improv like I've always loved improv like growing up I did it like I've loved it and then I moved to New York and it was like right as the UCB bubble was bursting mm. and so I like improv is now like you know quote unquote dead or whatever in New York and so I was like oh I guess this is the thing I'm gonna do now uh, and the first time I did a, a mic in New York I went to this mic in the basement of Playa Betty's on the Upper West Side at like whatever comedy club is there And this girl who I won't name, but she's very Twitter famous, was there. (laughs) And she, I like, did my set. It was very pre prepared. It was not good, but whatever. I was like 21 or 20 at the time. Like, I was very, very young. And this girl who is very Twitter famous. Like, slowly raised her hand. It was at 4 p.m. on a Sunday, and it was a feedback mic, which means people give you notes after, which, like, I've never heard of ever Oh, my
0: God. I can't imagine. Uh,
1: When I tell people about this, they're like, that doesn't exist. I'm like, I I know, but it does exist here. (laughs) It still exists there. Um, But she slowly raised her hand, and she goes, were those stories true, or were you just doing a voice? And, like, I will admit I was, like, maybe doing a little, like, you know, make maybe like trying to put on a stand up voice, but it was all my life. It was all true stories. And I was like, No, those stories were true. And then there was silence. And then another girl goes, I really like your shirt. And that was like oh all people said God. to me after. That's awful. I, like, I don't think I was good when I went, but I was also like, This is evil. It's four PM on a Sunday. Like everyone needs yeah. to pray a little and then be nicer. I don't know. Like Well, you know what's funny is I went to NYU
0: uh Grad school for writing, and we had a class there called drama lab, where we had this teacher. Um, his name was Gary. I won't say his last name. I don't know why I'm protecting him. Uh, but the point of the class was like we would all write monologues or write scenes, and then he would call us up in front of everybody and like tear us apart, basically. Like, you know, Ad, you know, Adam, that scene had no conflict. It had no. I'd be like, oh, okay. And, and now I look back on that, I'm like, that was actually the best training for being a writer of anything that I learned in grad school because you have to have the thickest skin in the world to be in the arts as a job like you will get you'll have your hopes dashed you will like have projects that you think you're ready to go and then somebody will like cancel it at the last minute I mean you just have so as much as that story is terrible I actually feel like it's 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 a good training for like what you will inevitably go through as you go through your career because it's oh, a tough totally. business yeah but so how did you pick yourself back up from that And go on to the next one and
1: the next one. I didn't do stand-up again for, like, three or four months after that. I was like, maybe this isn't for me. And then I realized, like, oh, Manhattan comedy is very, very different than Brooklyn comedy, and Manhattan mics are very different, and the people are very different. And so then I found Brooklyn mics and stuff like that and started doing that, and that felt a lot more, a lot better. But even still, those mics were, like, you know, and still are, but, like, there was a few that, like, it was dead silent. It was, like, a Monday Mm -hmm. night at 9 p.m., and it was, like, you wait to go. And especially when you're, like first starting out like the buckets are rigged and so like obviously people put their friends first and then the people they don't know are at the end and so like i'm waiting until like 11 30 to do my three minutes there's no one there it's complete silence and i would walk off and i'd be like that felt good and i think it's just like <laughs> i don't know i think that because i've never i've like always loved performing and i will never stop performing but because like that's never been like i need like i need to be a star i need to be a performer i think i've always been like yeah i like doing this i like doing this thing Mm-hmm. Um, or I think for people who are like me, as the entity is the whole thing. I think that that makes it scarier. I think maybe that's what I tell myself to make myself feel better. But yeah,
0: so it's a performance. Well, it's interesting because you talked about doing improv, and and I feel like what's because I did improv in college, and like what's fun about improv is you're not yourself; like you're playing a character. But to me, what makes stand up so terrifying is it's like you, your persona is the character; like you are you're like revealing your inner soul in some way i don't know there's something very revealing i mean the the greatest stand-up comics in some ways are often the most vulnerable like the ones who just like i just watched bo burnham's special where inside where it's like he's like gutting himself in this thing so i mean do you feel like when you're on stage it makes me think of what that girl said to you like were those stories true but do you feel like you are performing as a version of yourself or do you think you're trying to like mine yourself for the deepest darkest truths
1: I think I it's funny because I don't I like really my fr- like, friends who have met my family are always like why don't you just know about your family they're so odd and I'll be like I don't know it doesn't feel right to do it with my family but then the flip side of that is like I like and I I have opened up more but like especially like when I was like first had like first went to New York and was like on grinder and whatever I like didn't tell friends about hookups whatever didn't tell friends about guys because I was like I don't know I I was like very closed off about it and friends would come see me perform, and they'd be like this is where I come to find out about your sex life like you won't tell (laughs) us and so it's true it's like I would do stand up about like hookups and things like that and my friends would be like why won't you tell us but you'll tell all these strangers and I was like I don't know because it's funny but like I don't need to tell you that you don't need to hear about like me like getting a blowjob at New York airport like (laughs) like I don't need to tell you that
0: that's really interesting to me so it's almost like the improv i'm sorry the stand-up stage is where like you can be free in a way like you're like freeing another part of you that's otherwise repressed
1: yeah i feel like it's like the judgment it's like a mix because obviously there's judgment of your performance and judgment of if you're good or not but then it's like there's no judgment of you as a person it's like yeah like like, Elizabeth Holmes, or whatever her name is, like, could go up and do stand-up, and people would be like, yeah, you're fine. Like, that was funny. You know, whereas, like, the most evil people, like, and people go to these mics, and like, I sometimes think about that afterwards. like, I'll go to a show, or I'll do a show, and I'll hear people talk about themselves. I'm like, you just made yourself sound really, really bad. That was amazing. Like, you know, it's like a competition of who's worse. But Um, isn't it
0: interesting, like, with, like, Louis C.K., for example, like, that he would, like, gut himself on stage, and, like, talk about his demons, but then, like, he crossed that horrible line and revealed himself to be a terrible person to women and now he goes to these venues where it's like basically trump supporters in the audience It's like but it's because as you were talking and saying how safe you feel it makes me think it's also a function of being in brooklyn and like performing in front of an audience that you know
1: queer spaces
0: yeah which i think is really cool that like that exists for you that like you you can go to this place share your innermost secrets and thoughts and feel supported which you know is it feels like a very modern thing
1: it's really it's really unique because it's like a lot of people who are older than me in comedy will say like you don't know what it was like like yeah you're so lucky it's so supportive it's so like friendly and it's so like queer friendly now and i do definitely feel that and i f- am very appreciative of that and it's this weird space where it's like you would never cross a line in something that is like sexual or something like that. But then like mm-hmm. I can make whatever Holocaust joke I want, you know, and no one is ever finding that offensive. So That's it's like so it's funny. weird how it's it's not like it's like PC. It's like the line just like is different. It's like, yeah, this is not offending anyone present. You know, I actually speaking of Second City
0: when I was in um, Emory, I went to Emory and we, in the improv trip, we took a road trip over spring break to go to Second City to do a workshop. And I'll never forget, like we watched a Second City show that night and it was so funny and so good. And there was like a scene in a pizza parlor and one of the improv comedians like popped his head out of the imaginary oven and said, look, I'm a Holocaust Jew. And the audience, like, went silent. Like, it was just, like, you could hear a pin drop. And it was just the audience turned on him. And I just remember being shocked. I think I, t- I told this story on this podcast before. But it was just one of those moments where it's, like, anything is funny. But context seems to matter, too. And, yeah. just, like, and it was just so out of nowhere. But, but I think for you, being Jewish and, like, irreverent, it's a totally different thing.
1: Yeah. I feel like I can, like, make a self-deprecating joke about, like, how I wouldn't have survived or something like that. And people... Yeah are okay with that
0: well important question so has your family ever seen you do stand up
1: no well funny enough no my sister has i think i can't remember she lives in new york but my family has not um my my dad actually was in town last week and was supposed to see me do a show and then the show got canceled because of rain because it was an outdoor show and so my dad didn't end up seeing me um and my dad's always like do you have any material at me me?" i'm like yes but it's not You're not gonna like it like not in a way that like it offends you but it's like it's like you're not gonna find it fun you know i I don't know like Like, what
0: like what what do you say about your dad
1: i have well the the bit that i've been doing recently my dad is like how my dad i just got broken up with a couple months ago and how my dad like turned into macklemore like consoling me (laughs) through it being like love is love doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman (laughs) things like that um and so my dad's like my dad was like i told my dad that and he's like who is macklemore i was like you don't (laughs) it does that's exactly why it doesn't matter
0: that's really funny I, I've seen your stand-up Sometimes like when you post it on social media And sometimes like I feel like your dad Like I think you did one about like Olivia Rodrigo Something and I, and I knew who she was But at, at the same time I'm like I'm so, I'm so old Like I'm like it's all these references Where I need to like get with it
1: So It's funny because like I, I feel like I'm like not, You're like I'm old to like be loving Olivia Rodrigo though Like that <laughs> oh like I'm like ancient to be loving her And yet she's the only thing I care about
0: well, let's bring it back to food. Um this is <laughs> that's fun to hear all this. Like I'm I'm very um, impressed that you have the courage and the chutzpah to do what you're doing. And actually we, we didn't talk about Sam B and all that. So like how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I just well my well this comes out to being Jewish. Sorry, it's not about food. My like my bar mitzvah theme was like late night talk show. So I have, like oh, yeah, always Oh, I was going to ask this. what your bar
0: mitzvah theme was. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was it was like talk or talk yeah, it was talk, talk shows in general, but like mostly late night. Um and so I've like always loved late night and so I like ended up working at B for a few years. And that was like, and the show I work at now is like late night adjacent. Um, but I just like, I interned there when I was in college and then I ended up staying and working there for a few years. Um, and it's, yeah, it was like the most, honestly, like there's like nothing like fun to say about it. It was like the most formative experience in my life. Um, and I'm really grateful for it. I left like two weeks before the pandemic. Did you, were you pitching jokes? I mean, were you in the writer's room? Like, what was your job there? I was in social. So I was, like, doing... Okay. So I, like, did jokes for social, but, like, I was doing all the digital stuff for the show.
0: Wow. And so when you do a joke for social, do you have to get it approved by, like... 20 different people like how does that work with an account like that
1: it gets approved it gets approved no there's just it was just like on slack and there was like a channel where you'd pitch jokes and then uh, sam would go in and if sam liked a joke she'd put a, a grandma emoji on it and that meant <laughs> it was okay to tweet that it was like the, that was our system um I love and so that. i used to pitch a lot of like bar graphs and things like that and sam loved those so those were like the most often things that sam would approve for me what
0: was your most um uh, what was the thing you got posted that you felt proudest of
1: It was, it was a bar graph about who during one of the democratic debates had the most salt and pepper hair. And it was like, not funny, but I like loved that. It was a bar that we like posted this bar graph of it.
0: That's really funny. Um, okay. So food back to food and we're almost done, but we're not quite there. Um, Tell me a little bit more about like the foods of your generation. Like what are like the snack foods? Like what are the things like your peer group eat? I feel like I'm like talking to you like you're an alien from another planet, but <laughs> but I do find it very interesting. So like, you know, like when you go out to dinner with your friends or like even just like in a day, like what what would you say are certain things that like people your age eat that other people don't eat?
1: I don't know if this is like a, I don't know if this is a generational thing, but I feel like my generation like very much fetishizes Trader Joe's. Okay, Like it's very, very into like every pre-made Trader Joe's thing. Like, like everyone's always bringing cauliflower gnocchi to work or like. Cauliflower again. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. This is insane. So much cauliflower. Maybe that is a thing of the generation. I don't know. I feel like, like the commoditization of Trader Joe's. Like, I feel like people are always like, oh, what? Like, this is Trader Joe's, of course. Um, so I feel like that is a really big thing. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like. I feel like in New York, it's like a lot of like like people love matcha and people love yes. like like you know I I like am very I like I maybe this is a young thing but like I'm very very into dessert and so like I look at a map and I <laughs> I, like,
0: I love dessert I'm, that's an
1: old thing too yeah I just like I look at a map and the first thing I think is like what's like on what's the most irresponsibly expensive dessert I can buy and so maybe that's I feel like I have a lot of friends who are like that too. What are your go to like what what would be a dessert we have to get that. Either either donuts or ice cream are like I think would be my like we have to go
0: donuts. Yeah. Do you have a favorite donut in the city or in New York?
1: My favorite in the city is probably the blueberry one at Peter Pan Donuts in Greenpoint. That one. is I knew
0: you were going to say Peter Pan. That's like the classic, like the it's so good. Yeah, we have a donut place in L.A. that's not far from us called Colorado Donuts, and it's I went I
1: walked there when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago.
0: That's so funny. Um, well, we just ordered. We like went on Postmates because we were a little hungover and ordered like a six donuts. And if it's one of those things where when we when we I bit into this like buttermilk bar and it tasted like heaven. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. And then like an hour later, I felt like such shit. Like I felt disgusting and gross. Um, so that's the thing about donuts. But um, do you ever make dessert at home?
1: Yeah, I I make. I, like, make a lot of, like, mu- i make muffins and things like that more so. The issue is, like, I won't let dessert go bad either. Like, I won't throw it out. Like, I, like, so if I make a tin of muffins, I will, like, eat them all myself in two days. Mm-hmm. And so I went through a phase when I was making a lot of dessert at home. Like, I was making a lot of, I was making a cornbread a lot. Like, a, a different a few different kinds of cornbread. And I would really like eat the entire thing. So I don't like don't try <laughs> to bake that much because I'm like, I will eat it so fast right away. Yeah,
0: I was exactly the same way. Although it's funny, like once you start to realize you can give a lot of baked goods away uh, and people will love it, then you can bake more. So that's a good, good trick. Well, um, Zach, we started the podcast with what did you have for lunch? But what are you having for dinner tonight?
1: I-, I don't know. I think I might have the other half of this sandwich. I'm going to see Wicked tonight. So I'm like, it's, you know, it's a, I don't know if I'm going to see. I probably have a snack right before.
0: I feel like I had more f- gay friends in the audience of the opening night of wicked than I think I have gay friends that have gone to fire Island or Provincetown, like of all time, like they were so including my cookbook collaborator Gideon glick was in the audience of wicked on opening night, but like it was everyone on Twitter, everyone on Instagram. It's like a gay right. I was of so passage, jealous. I guess. Yeah. I went home so for you- Yom
1: Kippur and I was like, I'm the worst, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me to miss the wicked opening night. Oh my god, everyone was literally the entire world was there. It looked like the best night of, on earth. Do you feel like you're more of an Elphaba or more of a Glinda? I think in life I'm more of a Glinda, but huh? I would only play Elphaba.
0: Wow, tell me more about that.
1: I just well this I mean I think that like I love like the affectedness of Elphaba, like how whiny she is. Um <laughs> and she has the and she has the songs. I mean like she she has yes. you know like she has the greatest songs of like the 2000s i think it's always true of like the
0: more like evil character although well, she's not evil she's actually kind of the hero but um but like javert in les mis has the best songs as far as i'm concerned and judas and jesus christ superstar which you may not have listened to as a very conservative Jew. oh i lo-
1: no, i love jesus christ superstar
0: <laughs> it's funny because like everything i know about christianity comes from jesus christ superstar like i assume that everything in that um musical as what is in the new testament because i've never read that's new testament but i'm yeah. sure it's gotten some things wrong like for example i don't think they all sing and play electric guitar um uh, in... i'm pretty sure they should yeah <laughs> uh wait so i wanted to ask you we still have a little time left um <clears throat> with fasting so when you fasted are you like doing the whole like are you being reflective are you like this year was hard
1: because I, I was working. So I think work from home kind of broke that barrier because it was like I didn't fully take the day off because I was like working. And so I was reflective and I was like doing Zoom services with my mom because she didn't want to go in person. Um, I don't think I was as reflective as I could have been this year. But normally I try to be. But I drink water. I think that it's insane to not drink water.
0: Oh, you have to drink water. So what are the yeah. Jewish holidays that you observe and which ones do you skip
1: over? Um, I observe pa- – like I'll always keep Passover um, – I know, the funny thing is like Sukkot Sukkot is like the most fun holiday, but I feel like I haven't s- celebrated it in a really long time.
0: You've never um, built a sukkah in your um Park Slope backyard?
1: I don't have a backyard, but I do <laughs> love it's so weird that like Orthodox Williamsburg is the only place in New York where everyone has balconies and I like love yeah. walking around there when they all have the sukkahs built around their balconies. And it's um, the harvest
0: harvest holiday, right? Like isn't that what Sukkot really is? I don't know. It's remember. so fun,
1: yeah. Like it's you like everyone like gets together and like it's like the harvest holiday and you like like, when you're a kid, like, there's fun games. Like, it's... I love love Sukkot, in theory, but I've not celebrated it. Um, I feel like I'll always do something for... Like, I'll always go to something for Purim, too. Mm-hmm. Um, my family's very big on Hanukkah. Um, like, we all get... We'll all... Like, we'll... My mom has... My mom also has five siblings. And so all of her sisters will come over. And, like, my cousins and I all will put our menorahs on a table. And... Like, we'll, like, see whose menorah does the best, and it's always a huge fire hazard. Wait, what do you mean whose menorah does the best? What does that mean? So, like, we do this every year. We've been doing it since I was a kid, where it is always at my house, too, where we put all... Everyone brings their menorah. Like, you bring your right. menorah to my mom's house, and we light candles all together, and there's, like, ten menorahs on the table. And you do it all at once, and then we check in and see who's, who's lasted the longest.
0: <laughs> and what happens? Do you get, like, a prize, or it's just, like, a rite of... No, just, it's truly just...
1: Yeah, it's just a moment of pride. It's like you like it's funny because like my aunt's like Winnie the Pooh, menorah, like does the best yeah. or something like that. But I feel like your family yeah.
0: started started the Great Chicago Fire. I feel like it was truly a, a, yeah, that's very dangerous. Um, do you does your family make latkes at Hanukkah?
1: Yes, my family makes latkes. My mom makes a lot of latkes, and we always say that latkes don't count on the way if you're eating them on the way to the table. Like if you're eating them from the kitchen to the table, it <laughs> doesn't count. So you can eat as many as you want then. Have we you also, ever made like, that? Yes, I've made them, but I've but my mom, my mom like w- always like does the whole food processor thing. But recently, she's done something where she'll go to the, where she's will go to the grocery store and make them cut all. Maybe she doesn't like knives too. Maybe that's what it is. She <laughs> like will say to, she'll give them like the carrots and they'll shred everything for her at the grocery store.
0: Wow, your family is a, It's like there's like a real theme with like knives in your family like your mom and you're afraid your dad has a lot of pocket knives like something's going on with knives maybe when you were a child you blocked it out of your memory but like maybe like he was a knife thrower and he put you on a wheel and spun you around in front of an audience and threw knives at you
1: that must be why they got divorced yeah like it must (laughs) be something like that
0: yeah um well i not to brag but in terms of latkes i used to before the pandemic throw a latka party with my husband and, um, I would make 300 to 400 latkes and serve them to people. And the first year that I did it, Craig was like, you know, we're in LA, like nobody's going to eat 300 latkes. Like that's never going to like, you're wasting your time. And sure enough, so the way I did it was like, I fried them all and then I froze them all. And then at the party, I heated them up on a cookie sheet and then I started bringing them out and people were fighting. Like I would pull the sheet out of the oven and it was like gay men and women which was like 90% of the party were like (laughs) clamoring like pushing their way through to grab them off the cookie sheet so the next time I did it I did like 400 and I made just like making 400 latkes over like a five day period did you do the
1: tinfoil thing in your kitchen
0: over the stove no i didn't i didn't do that um but it's more about like just the smell like the onion and actually the second time i did it i put too much onion in the lakas, and so when people started coming over i was heating them up and i was tearing it up like i had like my eyes were red and puffy and i had like tears streaming down my face oh my but i remember just i mean it's funny like it felt more like yum Kippur to me than hanukkah because it's just the the ritual of like Grating onions and like wringing them out over the sink. It it's just like it was punishing, but also very rewarding.
1: That sounds Im- incredible. Yeah. So in
0: terms of food, what's your favorite
1: Jewish holiday? Honestly, I love Passover. Like I love yeah. matzah. Um, I love haroset. Like I love a Seder and yeah. I eat matzah year round. So I, honestly, I think I would say Passover.
0: It's funny. Craig has been with me for 15 years and I've never hosted or taken him to a Passover Seder.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love seniors. I think they're the most fun. It's the most theatrical of all the Jewish holidays, too.
0: I feel like I just need to get, like, a Jewish holiday calendar superimposed on my iCal, so, like, I'll just know what's coming up. I think a lot of it had to do with also, like, my mother and grandmother, like, shaming me for not observing those holidays when I was growing up, because I'd be like, what are you doing tonight? I'd be like, I'm going out to a movie. Like, it's Russia Hashanah. Like, they would just, like, remind me, and I would feel really guilty. But guilt was a big part of it um which is probably why it feels free this is like my therapy session now wait (laughs) so zach do you feel like we we got through all of like your food stuff is there anything we skipped over
1: cooking eating court street
0: grocers cauliflower
1: i mentioned dessert yeah like i really 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 like i i like my number one source of loss of income is dessert like i will like be having the busiest day at work and i'll run to go get dessert but i think we covered that
0: well we got donuts but what other desserts would you go would you go get
1: um, I love ice cream. Like I like truly like run and get ice cream every day, especially in the summer. Um, Where do you go? There's a new. Pl- I go to either Ample Hills, but now the, new, the Ample Hills owners have a new place in Prospect Heights. So I've been going to their new place, which is like definitely farther from my apartment, but like I will ride my bike there and make sure I'm there.
0: And what kind of flavor? What are your flavors?
1: They have. A bunch, they have a morning in Paris flavor that's really good. It's like a croissant raspberry jam that's really good. They morning in like Paris.
0: A, that's a great idea. Wow.
1: I never, it's so I never good. think of
0: that. Yeah. Croissant and raspberry jam. Love that. Keep going.
1: They have a marshmallow, but it's like it's Cocoa crispies instead of Rice crispies. That's really good. Um, I'm trying to think of my other favorites i've always want. I've, o- oh, th- I've always wanted to open a jewish ice cream shop like i've always wanted to do like babka flavored ice cream or like black and white cookie ice cream sandwiches or like heroset sorbet or whatever i've oh, always rain- rainbow to, cookie
0: like... ice cream do you like rainbow cookies like yes exactly
1: that would be so good i actually
0: so always want i wanted to open a restaurant um what was i gonna call it well my-, my grandmother's name was ronnie and her last name was brenner so i was gonna call it ronnie brenner's and oh, i like that And um but I would want it to feel like a Jewish grandmother's house, like used to travel the world and like um like you saw like all her knickknacks and souvenirs and like you served things like matzo ball soup, but like French food too, like a mixture of like Jewish, French, European. Do you want to invest in this restaurant?
1: Yes. So the (laughs)
0: sharks are in. Okay. Well, Zach, thank you so much for stepping up and being my lunch therapy. Yeah, thank you
1: for having me. I truly was like so excited i really truly i love your sub stack i'm I, I think you're so awesome
0: oh thank you for plugging my sub stack that's so nice <laughs> i've been i've been trying to push it more lately but it's you know i don't want to be obnoxious about it so that was a very good
1: did i have i told you this once on instagram that like your tuna salad recipe is my favorite and then your most and then you recently sent out a new tuna salad recipe and i was like this is so destabilizing because his old his other one was my favorite
0: Wait, what? What were the differences? I knew. I, I knew when I took that picture. I was like, I know I've done this before, but I forgot what I put in the other one. Was it? Your, I think there were more, your other yeah. one
1: is like cornichons, lemon zest, lemon juice, celery, with with the celery leaves, um, mayo, tuna, red onion. There's maybe one more thing, but it's it's like the best, simplest recipe and then i saw the one the other day and i was like well now i have to make this and try this
0: <laughs> well honestly i just make whatever i have in the fridge so that was, yeah that's the only difference well i'm very flattered um if i had dill i would have added dill too just so you know okay good all right well zach have a great weekend and thanks again for doing this
1: thank you so much for having me bye
0: all right i'll talk to you later bye